This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is... Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Gunasort. Back again with you guys for another episode of what is the Arsenal Transfer Show. Joining you every morning at 8 a.m. UK time. Hope you're doing good. Hope you're doing well. You have a fantastic start to your week, as always. Good morning to people joining us live in the chat box today. Let's say good morning. Matt G, good morning to you, to Blackshine, to Steve Stone, James PJ Afsar, good morning. Kaiser, Martin, NSW, Dave Temmy. Uh, good morning to Stephen Akmal, Paul, Kieran and Louis uh, and everybody else as well, of course, joining us in the chat box that I can't take uh, 30 minutes odd to say morning to everybody. But good morning to all of you. Um, I hope you've had a good start to your week and I hope you're all doing good and well. Uh, do indeed drop a like on the video. Thank you so much for the continued support on the channel. I know I've not been personally in... Uh, the top form. Uh, my voice is still a little bit out there. So thank you so much for kind of sticking with me and still watching the videos and dropping the likes on the videos. I'm hoping that uh, it's I'm kind of coming out of the tunnel uh, of this kind of bad voice week, if you will. Uh, and what a good day to do that on because today does mark the third anniversary, if you like, of Mikel Arteta taking over at Arsenal. We're going to talk a bit more about that soon. Um, but we're going to kick off with our first story with last night's massive win for Arsenal's under-18s in the FA Youth Cup. Jack Wilshere's side won 6-0 against Millwall in a game in which saw Koja Dubry and Ethan Ranieri both score. And this is important because I want to see these guys scoring. I want to see these guys getting on the score sheet continuously, impressing doing what they do, because these are two players in particular that I really believe could have a future at Arsenal based upon some of the things we've seen, not just over this mid-season break, but things we've seen for the youth teams before, things that have got them call-ups to the senior sides throughout this season. All of those reasons have led me to believe that both players can have a future at Arsenal. 
if they continue on the path that they are. And having these massive performances like we saw against Millwall last night is very, very important. Some other really great performances in the team as well. Hopefully, the uh, highlights will be available to watch very soon. Uh, Arsenal target Ibrahim Bamba has been called up for a training camp by Italian head coach Mancini. Uh, Arsenal have had a link with a Vittoria player for some time. He's a defensive midfielder, early 20s, and said that he could indeed move on during the January window, according to Fabrizio Romano, whether Arsenal will indeed move for the player who can represent Italy. Uh, we'll have to wait and see. But uh, big congratulations to him after getting called up to work with the senior group uh, ahead of a training camp and ahead, of course, of the next Euro qualification matches. Uh, Fabrizio Romano has also claimed that Arsenal are still working on a deal for Mikhailo Mudrik. Uh, words on any kind of potential agreement are still some way off. Uh, news of potential bid is still some way off. Um, but Arsenal are indeed working on it, trying to come to an agreement with the players' representatives. It's it's unsurprising that a bid's not gone uh, gone in yet. Usually what happens is you kind of get to a phase where you plan how much you think the club might be willing to accept. You might go in a little bit lower than that, of course, uh, to get the player for as best of a financial situation as you feasibly can. But what I'm looking for in, in reporting this story is finally when we get that bit of a breakthrough, like Arsenal have had a bid rejected or a bid submitted or an agreement on personal terms has been made. I don't think personal terms should be too much of a problem, to be honest. Uh, the player's always been very, very publicly keen to join Arsenal. So I don't think that's going to be any issue. But what we're kind of looking for here is news specifically relating to um, a bid going in. And that's ultimately what we want to see happen, hopefully, in the coming days. Uh, Yuri Tielemans is said to be, or Arsenal are said to be ready uh, to uh, entice Leicester City with a bid for Yuri Tielemans. Uh, the Belgian midfielder, as we know, has been of uh, interest to Arsenal for some time. But according to Graham Bailey, uh, who has been hit and miss with some things, uh, it's fair to say, over on 90 min. Um, he claims that Arsenal are indeed ready to entice Leicester City with a bid for the player. Um, as I told you in the summer, Arsenal have been very much willing to wait until the summer um, of next year to to get Tillemans on a free. However, with how things are this season, they may want to uh, fast forward those plans. And if they do do that, it'll be intriguing to see how much money they go in with. There's been suggestions that it'll be 20 million quid that it'll take for Leicester to sell. I don't, I, 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 something I have that I just can't get over the uncomfortable feeling of spending that much money on someone that you could get on a free in the summer. There's something about that that's just too much, but maybe closer to 10 might be worth doing. But even then, it's a lot of money. Um, and is it worth getting the player in for six months? I personally think of all the midfielders that we are linked to, I just think that Tillemans uh, is one of those few that can give you an immediate impact in a January transfer window. Uh, and, uh, well, what I would say is our second headline story of the day, the main transfer headline story of the day, is that Tudor Sports are claiming that Arsenal are still keeping Dusan Vlaovic under very close monitoring. Uh, they are indeed looking at the player and the situation at Juventus. And if an opportunity opens up to try and sign the player that they wanted all the way back in January of this year, uh, they might indeed be tempted to go in for him. Now, again, and as I always say with Italian sources outside of Fab, um, it is very much one to take with a grain of salt. It's not uh, overcommittal. It's not, what's the word? I mean, they're not committing, are they? They're saying that Arsenal are keeping under close watch. When I did, do you remember when we used to do the ITK watches on the channel? 
and I used to give you some tips in terms of how you should kind of break down reports. Things that you want to look out for in reliable reporting are, one, the amount of money uh, that is being claimed, whether or not they're committing to anything. Like if something says like uh, an agreement has been reached or um, like the amount of money that's been bid has been bid has been rejected, those types of things. You want to see like committed claims. You don't want to see things like under close watch or are in the lead for the player. Like these types of things are very easy to stay and they've got no comeback. You know, they've got no retrospective uh, criticism because if a deal doesn't happen, you can just turn around and be like, well, it was under close watch, but I mean, they never got him. Like, <laughs> Or they were in the lead for him, but they got overtaken at the last minute. No, you want to see things like how much money they've bid or how much money has been asked for or things, you know, these types of things. That's what you want to see. As soon as you see kind of these vague things, that's what we're critical of. It doesn't mean I'm not going to stop talking about them because it's mean I'm going to bring it up to you and then we're going to discuss it and then we're going to kind of look into it. But uh, yeah, Dusan Vlaovic supposedly being kept under very close watch by Arsenal. Now, uh, the main story of today is that Mikel Arteta celebrates his third year at Arsenal. He was appointed as Arsenal head coach on December 20th, 2019. And since that point, has obviously gone on to see Arsenal in an FA Cup and currently sit top of the table with five points between themselves and Manchester City. A very impressive tenure that I'm sure that we're going to talk about a lot more in part two. What I have done is I've left a link down in the description to uh, an article that I wrote about the three years of Arteta, uh, kind of my process, if you like, of appreciating these three years of positions on him changing, on the things that he has solved, on the things that he has delivered and what we might be able to expect in the next three years of Arteta's tenure. So make sure you go and give that a read. That is down in the video description. But we're going to move to part two, your questions and some thoughts on Arteta. Right up. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. And the same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with Mook Delivery. Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. After this. Okay, uh, let's jump into the chat box and see what you guys are saying. Uh, Sasha says, I'm a Juve player, get me out of here. Maybe what Vlaovic is is being linked for. Um, Siege uh, says, uh, after, they sn- after they snubbed us, or after he snubbed us, assume that's Vlaovic, I don't want him. He does not have the desire and motivation to play for Arsenal. Uh, Christian says, I'd rather have Mitrovic than Dusan Vlaovic. Uh, Sean says, why would they buy him in the summer? Um, and who? Are we talking about Tillemans? Are we talking about Vlaovic? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know who we're talking about, Sean. We'll have to be more specific. Uh, Akmal says, is it really confirmed that he rejected and ignored us? Um, it's more confirmed that, that like, after Arsenal really tried uh, to kind of get in touch with Vlaovic, and you know, there were some points where communications did go through uh, and went through the agent. He was just never interested in the Arsenal bid. His mind was always focused on a move to Juventus. That's where he wanted to go. That's where he had his heart set on moving to. 
And so he had, like Manuel Locatelli, just was not interested in the move to Arsenal because the move to Juventus was just far, far, far more important and more focused for those players than it was um, a move to Arsenal. Um, Marcus says, Tillemans allegedly, others now interested in him, so is 10 million the max to go in January? At the end of the day, and I can't always say this, but it's not my money, I'd rather us did not go to 20-odd million quid for a player that we can get for free. Um, I, I struggle to... I struggle with the whole, like, if we get the player in and he costs us 20 million or and we get Mudrick in and he costs us 60, 70 million, I'm not going to be that fussed because um, I'm just going to be happy that we got them at the right time when we needed them. And, you know, hopefully we work better to to make better revenue and to sell players for more money and it will balance the books eventually. You know, that's what I'm more focused on uh, regarding this sort of thing. Um, where did those three years go, says Dave? Indeed, they have absolutely thrown uh, flown by. You know, they have really, really gone so incredibly quickly. I remember doing the show when he first got nominate, uh, nominated, appointed. I remember listening to the AskCast live show um, when it was announced halfway through it that Arteta had been an uh, appointed head coach. Um, sorry, when, when Unai Emery had been appointed head coach instead of Mikel Arteta. And then, of course, the following year, we then hear that uh, Arteta has been appointed as well um, to replace Unai Emery. I think the, th- the thing about Arteta and the thing about Mikel Arteta's tenure is that to expect us to immediately have improved was never going to happen. To expect something that was going to change overnight was not going to happen. And Arteta, as I write in the article, you know, if you look at the Arsenal team now, his philosophy, his his principles and his standards are stamped all over this Arsenal team. Like the expectation of player behaviour, of um, the expectations of the energy that you need to expend during games, the pressing, the type of football. I remember we were like a year or two in and people were saying that they couldn't see a style of play. Do you know what I mean? Do you remember that? There was a lot of claims that we couldn't, people couldn't see a style of play. Well, you can absolutely see what we're trying to do now. Yeah, we are fast, we are quick, we're energetic, we love to use the wide areas, we love to try and cut inside, create chances with our striker dropping into the deep areas. Um, we love having kind of this balanced back four, which has got my player that's a little bit more disciplined, like White and uh, Tommy Asu. And then we've got Tierney and Zinchenko on the other side that are much more inverted and like to move forwards. We've The, the balance in the side is, is so well equipped. We like having the five attackers, as Clive likes to put it, and the five defenders. And, you know, we've now added um, kind of Granite Xhaka into that five attackers. Uh, our left eight position has been exceptional in really supporting that. And that's been all Arteta's work, you know, changing the way Xhaka plays at Arsenal specifically and unleashing perhaps what we see more at Switzerland in a role that we haven't necessarily seen used that much at Arsenal. The last time it was really used was when Santi Cazorla was here playing alongside Coquelin. And the other eight, like whilst Cochrane sat deep, Santi would get forwards and be more influential. But still, I think Xhaka arguably gets forwards even more than what Santi did when he played in that deeper midfield position. Of course, when Santi was playing at 10 or on the left-hand side, he was far, far, far forward. But I think Xhaka has adopted this position. He's taken what he does really well for Switzerland and elevated that arguably even more at Arsenal this year. And I think Arteta just has managed to find the perfect kind of mesh of of players we're not done he's not done he still needs to make better decisions in-game management needs to improve at times um i think we could make better changes during games absolutely uh i think that you know a player a manager that's been there three years 
that is not going to be perfect to expect a perfect manager after three years. No, but what I do think of what I write in the article is that, you know, a lot of us felt that maybe we couldn't afford to have a manager that was learning on the job. I think we can fairly say that we've benefited a lot from Arteta very much learning his role at Arsenal and we're seeing the benefits of that faith that we put in him. So there you go. Uh, Simon says, hey, remember 10 years ago when Giroud and Martinez were teammates for Arsenal in that crazy game against Reading? Did uh, did Mikel Arteta play in that game? 7-5 Reading. Let's have a quick look. Reading 5, Arsenal 7. The lineups were uh, Martinez, Theo Walcott. I suppose he wouldn't have joined Arsenal until... Oh, he did, did he join in 2012? I feel like he did. Maybe it was earlier. Uh, October 2012. I'm sure that he joined that season or that summer. Well, he's not played. Um, Martinez, Koscielny, Theo Walcott, Juru, Coquelin, Arshavin, Cole Jenkinson, Frimpong, Shamak, Gnabry, uh, Ignacy Mikel, Janine Mead. Wow, that's a name from the past. Thomas Eisfeld. Wow, where is Thomas Eisfeld these days? That is a great name from the past. Where is he? Uh, Thomas Eidsford is a German professional footballer who plays in the attacking midfielder for Regionalliga West Club Rot Weiss Essen. Wow. Uh, where on earth are they from? It's a German association football club based in the Essen North Rhine-Westphalia. The club currently plays in the third division of German football. Thomas Eisfeld hasn't played this season. Uh, he played uh, over 100 games for Bochum, uh, which, of course, is where Jordan Osse Tutu went on loan. I think has now gone back uh, for six years, but at 29 years of age, now playing for in the third tier of German football. I remember when we signed him. No, we signed him from Dortmund. Yeah, we did. We signed him from Dortmund, and uh, he was kind of really highly thought of um, at this point. And, um, yeah, nothing nothing really came of Thomas Eisfeld. That's a great shout from the past, though. Um, <clears throat> let's go to uh, Goldie Backwash. Says, uh, I lost hope in Mikel Arteta once, but glad the club saw what others couldn't. Uh, truly remarkable. A young man can deal with all he has gone through and come out on the other side all the better for it. Uh, you know, again, one of the things that I think we can all agree is that at the end of Arsene Wenger's tenure, and at the end of Uno Emery's tenure, and partway into Arteta's tenure, the split in the fan base was incredible. You know, you had the outs, you had the ins, you had the AKBs, you had the wobs, you know, you had labels associated with fans based upon the position of where you were on the manager. And now, you, yeah, you've still got your your, your hardcore Arteta outs. You know, oh, give it to the man, people. <laughs> you know, they still exist. Um not sure why, but they still exist. And uh, But the thing about that is that now that is a tiny, tiny percentage of the overall fan base. I always like to look at the Emirates crowd as a great kind of sample size of, of kind of what they are representing kind of the, the overall Arsenal fan base. Um, and I know some people say, well, that's not fair because it's just people who can get to the games. But what I'm trying to say is that it's 60,000 Arsenal fans, 60,000 of the most committed Arsenal fans out there. Um, that go to the games, that, you know, follow the team up and down the country, all over the world. It's a really good sample size to, to kind of gauge support is from the people that are in the Emirates Stadium, which do include, of course, people that come in from all around the world as well. And I think we can all agree that the atmosphere in the stadium, the attachment to the club, all of those things is at the absolute pinnacle of what it's been. The Emirates, as I write, used to be something that used to be taken the mick out of for being a bit of a library. 
now it's, I think, one of the most intimidating grounds in the league to go to. We haven't lost there all season in, in the league and uh, that's going to help us on our way to whatever we end up finishing in this season as well. Um, Paul says, I've read in The Athletic that Rice, Paqueta and Ajed might miss the game as West Ham plan on giving them extended break. Would you have any information on this? Uh, I don't, but I will chase it up with our West Ham correspondents uh, a little bit later today, and maybe I'll be able to give you some more information on that tomorrow. Um, Benji says, when everyone was calling for his heads, I was hesitant, mainly due to FOMO, uh, if he went somewhere like Barca. Glad we kept him, and he figured it out. Hopefully in three more years, we'll be saying the same thing. Yeah, and look, I, you know, well, my position certainly wasn't him after Villarreal. That was kind of the point for me. Um, when we lost to Unai Emery in the semi-final of the Europa League, I was like, I don't know what club, you know, what club with ambitions of getting back to the top would keep the, the coach on at that point, you know? Like, what, what club would have kept Arteta on in that moment, contextually, if it was somebody else? I think if it was Chelsea, the manager would have gone. If it was United, the manager would have gone. If it was Spurs, the manager probably would have gone. Um, you know, I, I just felt like the clubs in and around us at that time, if it was the same for them, probably would have got rids. And that's why I think my opinion was affected very much by thinking of it from that position. And I lost sight of what could still be achieved and what still was being achieved. Like whilst we weren't getting necessarily the results, it's because the job was just not done. The team was not built. The identity was not secured at that point. We hadn't signed the players that we needed and we'd suffered as well with some frustrating injuries during that period. We had no Aubameyang, of course, for the first leg. Uh, or he may, have, he may have come on late um, in, in that first leg. We didn't have Lacazette, I don't think, either. Um, and Smith-Rowe played in that false nine role, which was a bit of a mistake. And Arteta has made mistakes. Let's not be wrong about that. He absolutely has. But I'm so glad that what I didn't do you know, and what I know a lot of fans also didn't do, even though they had doubts. And like any good disciple, you know, we're allowed to have doubts um, that you didn't fall into the trap of just, you know, like abusing him. There's nothing wrong with saying that you think we should have changed the coach. There's nothing wrong with having that view. Everyone's allowed to have an opinion as long as it's respectful. But thank goodness that we didn't abuse a manager, you know, I, I I really would hate to to be in a position where now I have to look back with regret, knowing that you regretted some of the things that you said. <clears throat> I know that when we lost to Villarreal and when we lost to Man City, I did two shows uh, on the channel saying that Arteta should be sacked. The word should being the key word, because the word should is all about what I was talking about regarding what other teams would have done, you know, in those moments, what I felt other teams would have done and that they, sh they should have sacked their coaches in the same position. So naturally, I felt the same way about Arsenal. But I don't run a football club, thank goodness. <laughs> it's not my job. You know, I'm a fan beyond anything else. I'm a journalist second, a fan first. And uh, I look now at things, and I'm a lot more, what's the word? Not cautious. I think I'm more lenient. I think I'm more understanding uh, of the situation now. Um, and I'm very, very happy indeed that we managed. And the club knew better than me to stick with him. Um, Matt said, uh, what is Arteta's best and worst decision so far? For me, the worst decision that he ever made was to play Xhaka at left back against Brighton at home last season. That, for me, is, is the worst decision that he made. Because when we did that, we left, uh, I think Tavares was on the bench that day, and we left Lukonga completely exposed playing the number six role, and we paid for it. And if we'd have won that game, 
we would have been the Champions League this season. Um, but, you know, things happen for a reason. I'm very happy to be where we are now. But I think that was the worst decision for me that Arteta made was was that um, playing Xhaka left-back against Brighton. Just for me, that was, yeah. Best decision, I think it has to be... I think it has to be convincing Gabriel Jesus to join Arsenal. Um, I, you know, th- that for me was a symbol of um, the, the, the step that Arsenal had to take as a club in the market. It was a step from going from players that, you know, convincing players like Thomas Partey to leave a club in the Champions League, really good. You know, that shows the the allure, the pull that he had. But we had to take a next step, you know. We had to take the next step in terms of finding the player that was our Allison, that was our Van Dyke. You know, that's what we had to do. And I think that we have done that in finding Gabriel Jesus. And it sucks that he's injured. It sucks beyond all belief that he's injured. But for me, that is his best decision. It's maybe I say deciding to go after both Man City players, as you know, as a whole, because we had to bring in players with the mentality, but not only not only the mentality, but the players that were the right fit for us. And Zinchenko and Gabriel Jesus kind of fit like uh, a glove into what he wants. So that's the best decision I think he made. And the worst decision, yeah, has to be that Xhaka at left-back against Brighton for me. That was... Yeah, <laughs> that was yeah, that was pretty pretty poor. Um, yeah, I really did. I really was frustrated by that decision. Uh, Diana says, "Are people understanding the form we have as a club that people are concerned about Jesus? You can put any striker in there, and they would thrive." Um, I don't necessarily agree, Diana. I don't think you could put any striker in there, and they would thrive. I think you do need to have the the characteristics and the understanding and the mentality that Jesus has. And I think you are going to notice a significant drop with Nketiah. But I do think that Nketiah can still work. I do think Nketiah can still get us goals. But to expect the level of performance from our front three with Nketiah in place of Jesus, or any striker, really, that we could probably sign in January in place of Jesus, you're going to see a drop in, in the output, a drop in the how smooth it is, how familiar it is. I'm just kind of hoping that the other 10 players that are used to playing week in, week out, that we have available, are going to be able to be more than enough for us to continue to play the brilliant way that we are playing. But uh, I know that Nketi is trying. I know that he's developing and improving. So hopefully we see that. Um, so yeah, fingers crossed. Um, Jay says, hi, Tom. Any news on the contracts with Saka, Martinelli, etc.? I'm getting worried. Um, Arsenal are working on them and I'm told they're confident of getting them done. You know, uh, Martinelli, I don't think you need to be worried about at all. Saka, you can maybe be a little bit more worried about, but even then, I think Saka will renew. Saliba is the one that, you know, we're, we're all kind of hanging on at the moment. We are hoping uh, to, to do that. Uh, Clive says, Mateus Cunha looks like a Jesus style forward. Eddie is a different profile. I'm worried, but hanging in there. Clive, I'm not a fan of Mateus Cunha. And take it from someone who, you know, I've watched a fair amount of him now. I'm just not a fan. I'm just not a fan of Mateus Cunha. I think there are so many better options out there. I'd rather, I wouldn't, I tell you what, I'd rather recall Balogun than sign Mateus Cunha. I think it would be a mistake. And, you know, if we sign him, I hope he proved me wrong, obviously. But to fill up one of the spots in the squad with Mateus Cunha, 
when the opportunity to you know recall Balogun now and you can loan him out again in the summer and you can sign somebody in the summer that's obviously better and better suited and more available it's it's a no from me with Mateus Cunha uh I, I just I'm just not sold on the idea and yeah I know it's not working at Atleti and I know Atleti are a bit of a weird environment for players like Cunha and and Joao Felix in particular but it's it's a no from me, Clive, on Mateus Cunha. Uh, Reggie says, Thomas, uh, Tom, only important thing is that Eddie is effective enough for the system to maintain itself. He doesn't need to be a world beater. Uh, you know, consistency is going to be key. And if he can be that kind of the, you know, in a machine, if you take out one of those cogs and you put in a different one, if the cog's too small, it doesn't hit the the uh, the ridges. I'm not an engineer. I don't know. So the machine's not going to work. You need to find that cog that fits perfectly um, or is, you know, it's of a size that still means the machine can turn, but maybe it's it's only going to do a job for a certain amount of time until those edges kind of wear down and it finally becomes in a position where it doesn't necessarily work. And maybe that's what Eddie is. Um, Eddie isn't the same as Jesus, but he's a player that's certainly trying to do what he can to emulate a lot more of his characteristics. And, and that's what I'm hoping that we're going to be able to see um, in the next three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, however many weeks it's going to be until Jesus comes back. I hope that he can do it. A goal against West Ham would be massive, would be really good. Uh, and, you know, in his last however many starts in the Premier League, he's returned a good goal record. So we know he can score. We know he can score against good teams as well with goals against Chelsea away from home. We know he can get goals. We've just got to hope and keep our fingers crossed that he delivers. Uh, and that's going to be the big question around him. Charlie says, I like Enzo Fernandez from Argentina. Shane says Enzo Fernandez would be amazing. Yes, I agree. Uh, if you can go out and get someone like that, that'd be great. But Benfica are going to ask for something silly for Enzo Fernandez. I think we all agree they're going to go and try and shoot for something absolutely mad. Uh, Christian says, which teams do you consider could claim the top four? And are there some teams that you fear maybe isn't in the top six? Um, I always like looking at the Premier League table anyway. It gives me a chance to to remind myself where Arsenal sit right now. Um, but I, I do think Newcastle have got a great chance of getting the top four this season. Um, it's going to be interesting how teams react after the World Cup, how players come back after the World Cup. Man City have had loads of players go to the World Cup, but of course Erling Haaland has, has stayed behind. So that's been a big, big plus for them. They've got Kevin De Bruyne back early as well. Um, so I think they'll probably end up being okay. Um, we've had the least, I think, players go of the, of the teams, uh, of the big six teams, besides Newcastle, of course. So I think that we hopefully should be fine, but it'll be intriguing. It's difficult to tell you right now and answer to your question, Christian, because I kind of want to wait and see other players come back from the World Cup. And that's going to be very, very important. Um, Uriel says, good morning, Tom. Do a set piece coach work on, do set pieces work, uh, coaches work on throw-ins. And why are we so poor at them? Much love. Um, I think it's something that we're improving on. I think that actually, you know, we're trying these long throws in those wide positions. I actually think the long throw is something that Premier League clubs have missed for a long time. You used to see it with Rory Delap, of course, famously for, for Stoke. To, to score from a throw-in, the percentages are quite low. But also to score from a throw-in that you do short in the opponent's uh, defensive third, the statistics that come from scoring from those are also very, very small. And I think that Arsenal would have done the analysis on these and they would have done the analysis on the percentage returns from throw-ins taken in the defensive third short and throw-ins taken when they're trying to throw them into the box from long. I think it creates chaos. I think we've got a physical team. I think we've got players that can get into the box and cause problems. 
And, you know, our set pieces have been one of the best parts of our game. So why not add another feather to the, to the cap, if you like, and uh, and start using these long throw-ins? I think, they, I think they cause a bit of chaos. And I'm all for them, to be honest. I'm all for them. Clive says, that told me, was just saying about the profile. Eddie's profile is more of a scorer than a facilitator. Yeah, I, you know, I think I've covered that, Clive. I think he absolutely is. But I think he's trying to do things that a facilitator does. And I think, you know, the piece I wrote the other day where I was kind of an analysing the two games against Leon and AC Milan, he was doing those things. Um, fingers crossed we we see him slot in and it's better than what we've really kind of, ex- what we're expecting, I think. You know, it's probably the best way to put it. Anyway, thank you so much, guys, for tuning in. It's been a genuine pleasure. Thank you again for keeping up with my trailing off voice. Uh, I very much appreciate it, as always. I'll be back tomorrow at 8 a.m., of course, with the next show. And, of course, tomorrow being Wednesday means it'll be the next Eat Sleep Arsenal repeat podcast. Very much looking forward to be joined by Sophie and Raj and Owen tonight so we can talk a little bit about ACLs because we've been experiencing a lot of ACLs and knee injuries and things like that in the men's and women's team, asking him a few questions about those. So do indeed make sure you uh, set your notifications to on because then you'll be able to know when that drops for you tomorrow. Um, And do drop a like on the video and subscribe to the channel. Uh, We've just gone past 41,000 subs. Thank you so much for the continued support. I will see you again very, very soon. Have a great Tuesday. And as always, up the Arsenal. Oh, no, quick before I go. Massive congratulations to Arsblog on raising over €10,000 in support of two fantastic charities. If you bought a mug, thank you so much for buying a mug. You've helped support two fantastic causes. Um, So, yeah, that was my quick thing uh, I just wanted to say before I wrapped up. But thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. And as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dip in and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your delivery. You in? At participating restaurants 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.